Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. <laughs> Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, hope you have a great weekend plan. I think uh, we're going to have some pretty good weather throughout most of the weekend, which is nice. Uh, I, will, I think I will get up early and go for a run tomorrow before it gets too hot because if I run when it's uh, like in the high 20s, I'm not really wa- running. I'm just sort of... <laughs> Uh, you know that trail like a slug leaves, Curtis? Yeah, That's me when I'm sweating that much when it's hot out. <laughs> Reed Wilkins, Curtis Stock is joining me in studio tonight. He's going into the Canadian Horse Racing Hall of Fame uh, in August in Mississauga, so a huge honour for him. He's been covering horse racing and uh, other stuff, golf, since the 70s here in Edmonton. We, were, we want to talk some hockey with you, but we were just uh, off air. And I think people would be fascinated by this story. You got to meet two of the all-time legends of the sport of golf like sit with them like not in an interview where there's 20 other reporters yeah Nicholas uh, and Palmer yeah so start with start with Nicholas how did that play out well uh, when they opened Northern Bear Golf Course they were bringing the Jack Nicholas signature design so he did the design on the course and he came out several times and the one time he was coming out um, a guy who used to be a part owner of the course phoned me and said be at the course at 10 o'clock and I said okay and he didn't say why or whatever, so I went there at 10 o'clock, and he says, get in. And I sat in this van, and here comes Jack Nicholas and his architect, Chet. And we drove the whole course, and, you know, Nicholas was going, okay, we got to move this bunker here and take out that bunker because, it, you know, it's ridiculous to have a bunker there. It's only going to hurt the bad player. And, you know, let's move this here, you know, a couple yards. And So this is when the course was already pretty pretty formed? He no, still wanted to adjust no, stuff or not? No, this is okay. like bare ground. Okay, sorry. Like just, you know, like stakes where, you know, the 150-yard marker was going to but be. But now he's stake. visualizing it as opposed to whatever he sketched or drew yeah, it on. Yeah, okay. exactly. All right. And then, you know, shaping and, you know, how he was going to move things around and everything. So, yeah, I was in the car with him. Like, we were there for like four hours, and then uh, the media was <laughs> was there to meet him. There was supposed to be, a you know, a media conference after he had yeah, after he had come, and so there was all these media waiting, and then I get out of the truck, right? <laughs> They're all going, what? <laughs> so you had, he took the time, though, to answer some on-the-record one-on-one oh, yeah, stuff great. while he, he was... was yeah, he, he was just fabulous, and, like, for that media conference, he stayed, like, I think it was, like, close to midnight answering everybody's question. He was, like, unbelievable. Like, wow. no pretensions at all, and very human, and, and just, you know, I mean, he, he had his wife waiting in the plane, like, their plane like to leave Edmonton but he stayed and, and answered everybody's questions signed autographs and he was great well I think I mean that's the interesting thing about Nicholas and, and you met Palmer too so we'll get into that but Nicholas always has struck me as one of those guys like he understands 
if I'm not going to promote the sport, who's going to do it, right? He kind of yeah. has that. And I mean, I mean, there are other great golfers, but he said, if I'm not going to go out there and be a likable, talkative guy, then who's going to care about golf, right? He, and I remember the the one story, I can't remember which U.S. Open it was, Curtis, maybe 72 did he win? Uh, it was his son's birthday. Oh, yeah. And they right. ate at McDonald's. Right. It's because so somebody asked him, what did you do to celebrate your U.S. Open win? And he said, well, we went to McDonald's. Yeah. And so the reporter was like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, my son's birthday, he picked the meal. Yeah. <laughs> so he just won a major, and he's sitting at McDonald's, McDonald's a couple hours yeah. after. Uh, all right, and then how did you meet Arnold Palmer? Well, Palmer was at Blackhawk um, about four or five, five or six years ago, I guess now. And, uh, and he played... Um, every hole, and, and certain people got to play a hole with him. Right. So Kevin Carius from Global and I, we got to play with him on, uh, I forget which hole it was. Anyway, I, my hands were shaking so bad, I couldn't, I really literally could not put the ball in the, <laughs> on the tee on the ground. And uh, um, and I think, I, if I remember correctly, well, I know what I did. I just, you know, I gunched my tee shot. Kevin Carriers put it like eight feet away. And uh, so we played Carriers' ball. Mine, we just left. <laughs> and then after, after it was all over, we went in the banquet room, and uh, I sat down with the guys that I'd been playing with. And, and uh, there was a chair directly to my right that nobody was sitting in. And about five minutes later, in comes Arnold Palmer, and he sits down beside me. And so we spent two hours, you know, at dinner there. And it was, like, I mean, unbelievable. Like, I thought I was, you know, in a movie or something. That's incredible. And what does he, what is, they, did you find yourself, like, you were just bubbling over with questions? Or did you just kind of chat about the game or the course? Or what did you talk about? Everything. We just, it was just like talking to your dad, you know. I mean, like, it was. It was just like, I mean, he was just so humble and so... You know, inconspicuous, really, you know? Like, I mean, he was just, you know, he was there to laugh. He was there to tell stories. He was there to be funny, but also be serious. And, you know, like I said, it was just like, you know, having a real nice dinner with your dad or your best friend. Is there a modern-day golfer that can ever be that captivating, or has it just changed too much with the media and the hype and all that? I think so. I don't think, you, you know, I haven't, I couldn't tell you another player that, you know, you could put up and mark alongside Nicholas or Palmer like today. Yeah. Because you know, Woods would never be that are, personable if no, you met never, him, right? No, never, zero. Yeah. No chance of that. <laughs> zero. <laughs> All right. Uh, Curtis Stock joining us in studio. I've got to tell a, a little story. I mean, I mentioned dating both of us, but I've been reading your stuff since I was a, you know, a, a teenager. And uh, you always did your, your playoff picks. And I'll never forget, in 1991, before the playoffs started, you picked the Pittsburgh Penguins. And everybody kind of thought you were off your rocker because they were like a 91-point be team. No. It was a 21-team league. I think they were 7th or 8th, but they were better teams. Yeah. And then I remember in 92, the you know all you guys, I think, I don't know if Cam Cole was still there, but obviously yeah. Matheson would have been there. Yeah. You all did your all first-round picks, and then at the bottom, you had to put your cup pick. And I remember you just put Pittsburgh again. <laughs> and you were the only guy that picked so two years in a row. I don't know if you remember that. No, but, I don't. But, but two years in a row, uh, you put put the Penguins. So now I got to put you on the spot. It's it's an easier choice because there's not 16 teams left. Wow. Is it Pittsburgh this year or is it Nashville? Well, I got I'm in a in two hockey drafts, and in one of them I took six Pittsburgh Penguin players. So <laughs> you know who I'm cheering for. I right. couldn't believe that double overtime was driving me crazy last night. Just going, come on, come on, I need you to win to move on. Because the other guy who's in first place has all Nashville players, if you can believe it. Oh, okay. One guy loaded up on Nashville. I mean. 
what a stroke of genius that was. Including Rene, I would assume, if you take a goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like nobody else has got any Nashville. Do you have players. Kunitz? No, I don't have Kunitz. Okay, no. three but points I got last Rust night. And, yeah, Benino, and I was picked. It's almost impossible, but I was picking twelfth and got Crosby. What? I know it's impossible. Like I'm sitting there, you know, there was twenty four guys picking teams. You know, I'm crossing off these guys. The, the best player on the second overall team in the NHL. Yeah. You got 12th. 12th overall, Sidney Crosby. Who went first, Ovi? Like, Ovechkin went first. Yeah. Uh, I assume Connor it, McDavid went second. I assume in Edmonton, somebody yeah. took McDavid high. And yeah. then Dreisaitl went before Crosby. Uh, it was unbelievable. Like, But, you know, they took Ovechkin, they took Backstrom, they took, you know, uh, but <laughs> not Sidney Crosby. So you're just pinching yourself getting Crosby. Yeah, yeah, and... So, like, I'm going to, I know I'm going to be, we'll, we'll be in the money. I don't think we can catch the Nashville team, but. But you'll get something. Yeah. Curtis Stock joining us. All right, before before I let you go, I, I was joking earlier. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't funny at the time. The Oilers blowing game five, aided oh. by the. So, let me ask you this. Do you know what goaltender interference is? I I've no asked idea. Kelly Rudy that. I've asked no, Rob Brown that. Nobody knows what it is anymore. What is it? I mean, if you can, if you can do, you know, what Kessler did. I mean, I guess you can do anything, right? You know, you can trample over the goalie, you can push his pads apart, you can hold one leg down, or sometimes there will be what appears to be blatant goalie interference, and it's not called. So I have no idea what goalie interference is. I have no idea what a penalty is in the NHL playoffs are anymore either. You know, and that's been a topic. And, I, you know, in this market, we got, yeah, no, we have McDavid, we have Dreisaitl, so we're going to see those two guys unfortunately get abused for probably the next 12 to 15 years. So we're a little more heated about it. Having said that, and you know, and you know, I have Kelly Rudy on once a week. He's furious about the slashing. I mean, Rob Brown doesn't doesn't like a lot of the stuff Kessler does, especially away from the play. Yeah, uh, gets laughed with his cross checking. Yeah, so goes uncalled. Is it time to reset a little bit and say, okay, we got to start watching for this, this, and this? And do you think they have the stones to do it? No, no. I think they, but they got to. Either call everything or call nothing, right? Be consistent in what you're calling. Just like, you know, like in a baseball game, if the umpire is going to give you the outside strike all game, that's fair. But if he's going to call, like, once a ball and one a strike, then you don't know what a strike and a ball is, and it's the same in hockey. You know, if you can stand there and you can cross-check a guy in the back 15 times in a row and no penalties called, and then there'll be the some innocuous play to the side, you know, where they call a penalty, and you go, like, I give up. Yeah, yeah. So, and I've been kind of ranting on it for the last couple of weeks. Is that once the puck is gone, you should have to lay off the guy. Yeah. But instead, that's the time, and Kessler's oh. the best at this. Instead, yeah. that's the time. Oh, and I'm going to get an extra shot in. Yeah. No, Finish while we're your check, right? while we're changing yeah. lines, and a guy's got one foot on the bench, I'm going to slash him on the back of the. I'm like, why right. is that legal? Right. That's the stuff that bugs me. Yeah, it's all that little stuff that they that they continually let go, right? And yep. they're penalties. All right, uh, final thoughts here. Your experience uh, observing the Oilers this, I mean, clearly they, they, they came a long way. I mean, they a break or two, they're, they were yeah, still they're playing here. against Nashville. Maybe, right. maybe they're here right now. Uh, just your thoughts uh, on the team, changes you, you're hoping for, if any, or maybe you want everybody, most of the guys back. Well, I think you want most of those guys back for sure. I mean, like, I mean, they really, 
it surprised a lot of people, you know. I, you know, like I, I know at the start of the year, people were saying, "Well, you know, we got McDavid, and we're going to make the playoffs." Well, they really did make the playoffs easily, and and if it hadn't been for Game Five, which was ridiculous, Game Four was bad too. Um, you know, they they could still be, they could be still playing. You know, I mean, they got a good team. They had a well, they do have a good team. You know, they're, they're but there's still a few pieces away, and there's a couple guys that probably move, but same guys that everybody else is talking about. Yeah, yeah, I've heard all that stuff for sure. Yeah. All right, Curtis, uh, are you going to the track tonight? What's going on? Yeah, I think I'll drop in. Why not? Drop right? it. Maybe <laughs> bet. Maybe not. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, when is the Derby this year? Uh, it's in August. It's gonna be. It was usually third, third week in August. August usually, yeah. yeah. Okay. Curtis, thanks for coming in. Uh, what are you on Twitter? Curtis J. Stock? Yeah. People want to follow you. I, I really appreciate you doing this. I hope we can do it again. I love loved hearing the stories. Here's what I'm going to ask people to text in for the next segment. Uh, which athlete you would like to most sit next to at dinner? you got okay. to do with Ar- Arnold Palmer. So people can text 63630. Which athlete, any sport, I imagine we'll get a lot of hockey, current, past, living or deceased, doesn't matter, which athlete would you most like to sit next to at dinner? Curtis, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you. Inside Sports on Chad. Coming right back. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. You ask me to be your savior. All right, it's Erie leading St. John 4-2. 15 minutes left in the third Memorial Cup semifinal. Your scoreboard for Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, visit crystalglass.ca. Baseball tonight. Jays up 6-3 on the Rangers. That's in the bottom of the sixth. FC Edmonton plays tomorrow at 7 at Clark Stadium against the Indy 11. Curtis Stock mentioning before he left the Journal Handicap tomorrow at Northlands Park. It's an afternoon card uh, tomorrow. They'll start at 1 o'clock. The Journal Handicap... a little uh, deeper into the program, but you can check that out tomorrow afternoon at Northlands. The Stanley Cup final starts Monday. Pittsburgh home to the Predators in Game 1, 6 o'clock here on 6.30 Chet on Monday. The NBA final will tip off on Thursday, June 1st. The, the NBA uh, topping the NHL, they're going to take even longer to play their final series than the NHL taking to play the Stanley Cup. I think we got 16 days for the Stanley Cup Finals, 17 days for the NBA Finals. They will have a two-day break between every games, between all the games, except for games three and four. They're playing on the 1st, 4th, 7th, 9th, 12th, 15th, and 18th. Nothing like dragging it out. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. So just for fun, we had Curtis Stock in studio, who was talking about getting to sit next to Arnold Palmer at dinner and having basically an exclusive one-on-one with Jack Nicholas for four hours while he was uh, touring Northern Bear as it was being built. So I said, text me to 630-630. Who would, you, who would you be your dream athlete, living or dead, to sit next to at dinner? Bob and LaDuke, Muhammad Ali, excellent choice. Rocket saying Wilt Chamberlain, the late Wilt Chamberlain. Uh, Rocket, I assume you would want to be regaled with stories of his romantic exploits. <laughs> Two votes for Mike Tyson. One of them from Dylan. That's interesting. He might, Mike Tyson might try to bite you if you're having dinner with him. Southside, Rob says, uh, Hey, Reed, I would like to share dinner and a pop with Bobby Orr, 
Phil Esposito and Paul Henderson, all great players and men, all very different people. That'd be uh, quite a dinner. Tiger Williams, someone just texted in. Text 636 34, number 7804960063. Kellen Kennedy's our studio producer. Kellen, yeah. who would it, you would yours be a professional wrestler or who would it be? Well, if it had to be a professional wrestler, uh, it, it, it wouldn't be, but if it had to be a professional wrestler, I think Andre the Giant would actually be really cool. Wasn't right. there a movie that was called My Dinner with Andre? Was... That's right, there yeah. was. Not Andre the Giant. Oh, okay. You could remake it. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, athlete wise, man, mm, probably Gretzky. Very cool. Yeah, I, I've been asked. Well, I was once asked who would you who would you like to interview, and I thought, well, I won't say a hockey person because, I mean, there's a chance, and I have got to interview Wayne Gretzky. Um, so I thought, well, I'll say I, I won't say hockey because that'd be kind of expected in my job, right? And I and I might be able to interview that person. And I love golf, so I actually said Nick Faldo. Because I liked watching Faldo play, and I enjoy his commentator, and I think he's kind of an interesting guy. Uh, maybe not the most popular person out there, but I've always found Nick Faldo, very, Sir Nick Faldo, I believe he's been knighted for his work in the Crusades. Who's more uh, entertaining, Faldo or Faraday? That's the question. David Faraday. I got to interview Faraday. Yes. Yes. We I was here Faraday tonight on the show a couple that. years ago. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well... <sighs> Yeah, like Faraday's pretty pretty interesting. He is, yeah. But he's more of. I'd like I'd like to interview Faldo. Okay, that'd be cool. Like a lot of golfers, I like to interview Mickle. Like I find golfers very interesting, and I find I find the sport of golf extremely challenging. And the people who can do it well at that level, the mixture of the physical ability they have to have, and the mental strength they have to have. You know, to pull off the shots under the pressure, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Jim says Babe Ruth. Somebody else texted again, Shoeless Joe Jackson. Eugenie Bouchard. Didn't she go on a, a date with somebody? Yeah. The, what was the premise there? Yeah, uh, there was, like a, a, it was a, twi- a Super Bowl bet or something like that, Bowl wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, she actually lived up to it and went on the... I think they went on two dates. They, they did, and then it was found out that she was actually seeing somebody on the side, too. So, Oh, there you go. Scandalous. Tell you what we're going to do. Speaking of wrestling, we have two pairs of tickets to WWE Live at Northlands Coliseum. Is that June 16th, Kellen? June 16th at the Coliseum. All right, if you want to go, we're just going to give tickets away. That's how generous we are. Callers number one and four. 780-496-0063. We'll give the tickets. Eskimos quarterback Mike Riley coming up next inside sports on Eskimos Radio, 630 Chet. JC Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6:30. Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in. Getting some interesting replies on the text line. 6:30-6:30 is the number. Which sports figure, past or present, living or dead, would you most like to have dinner with? A uh, few people have mentioned Mike Tyson, which I find interesting. Uh, somebody wrote in Rob Brown. You can hear Rob Brown on this radio station fairly regularly. Yeah. Kind of like having dinner with him. 
It would be cool to have dinner with him, though. Wayne says uh, Jacques Villeneuve. I love Formula One. He's the only Canadian champ. That's a good one. Excellent choice. Also an Indy 500 winner as well. Goyo says, I really don't like people, but I would have to choose Tanya Harding. I would love to hear that story. That's actually pretty good. That's well thought out. Bryce. Well, this isn't someone he would like to meet. This is someone he did meet, but it's a cool story. Bryce says, I had the opportunity to meet Jackie Parker twice, but years apart. What a gentleman. If you met him once, even briefly, he would acknowledge you at the next meeting, even if it was years later. That's pretty cool. Jackie Parker, one of the uh, legends of the Edmonton Eskimos. One of the guy building his... Legendary status, hopefully, with the Edmonton Eskimos, is quarterback Mike Riley. Medicals tomorrow. Training camp Sunday. And your QB sat down with Eskimos play-by-play voice, Morley Scott. You wait all off-season for this uh, day, Mike. Uh, a couple of days away from getting it started. There's obviously a real huge excitement level, I imagine, for you and everybody else around right now. Yeah, no doubt. These are these are always the fun days, uh, you know, when guys start to trickle in. And you just feel you feel the energy in the locker room. Um, every day that you show up, there's five or six guys that have just come into town that you haven't seen for six months. Um, you know, and I, I always kind of liken it to the first day back at school. You know, it's uh, you go all summer long, and that's great. Uh, you know, when you're waiting for school to start up, but then you miss all your friends, and you want to get back, and and you forget about the hard stuff of like homework and all of that. It's kind of like or that. two a days. Yeah, exactly. So football, you know, you go all off season, and you get time with your family, and it's great. You look forward to it. It's a great time of year. But then you get that itch, and then you come back, and uh, yeah, you forget about how tough two a days are, and how tired you're going to be uh, during training camp. And right now, everybody's just super excited about it. Uh, it's a great time here. Year two with Jason Moss. Have you sensed any different? and what you know about what's going to happen at training camp? Yeah, I, I think that there's been, you know, changes. I, I would say a lot of changes, but subtle changes. Um, you know, we we did a lot of things really well last year. Um, and given the scenario of having an entirely new staff and trying to put in such an intricate and complicated offense, um, you know, going into training camp, we knew that we were going to have to experiment with a lot of different things and try to figure out what was going to work. And <clears throat> that continued to be a process throughout the entire season. Uh, so this year it's much different. Um, you know, going into year two, uh, you know, we know um, what didn't work last year and, and just to get rid of it, we know what we were good at and how to improve it and also, uh, you know, had a lot of time in the offseason to study certain things, um, you know, and, and put some new stuff in. Uh, so, you know, there's still going to be a lot of things that our guys are going to need to learn, but uh, starting day one out here at training camp, we should be running full speed. And uh, last year that just wasn't the case because of all the work that we had to do to try to get on the same page. So we're, we're much further along than we were a year ago. Virtually the same offense, but uh, also uh, a new play caller this year. Uh, How different will that be? Um, you know, there's going to be changes again, subtle changes, but it's still going to be the same type of stuff. I mean, Carson was a big part uh, of our offense last year. Um, you know, he was our pass game coordinator, and he's a guy that uh, that was my first chance to work with him last year as well. And um, you know, we just we all had a very good comfort level with one another. I think we all we all see the game very well, very similarly uh, between myself, uh, Jason Carson, and Jordan, the quarterback coach. But we also all see it at a little bit different of an angle, which is great because. Uh, uh, you know, that's how you, you brainstorm and, and come up with different things. And, uh, you know, so it's just been that dynamic uh 
you know, beginning with last year, but now that Carson has taken over as the offensive coordinator, um, you know, Jason is still very heavy into the offense, but he's also able to delegate a lot of that stuff uh, to Carson, and that puts a you know more responsibility on Carson. But he's earned that, and uh, you know, I'm excited for him to have that opportunity. He's a guy that I have nothing but confidence in, um, you know, and he's earned that 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 job title. So it's gonna it's gonna clear things up a lot for Jason too. He's gonna be able to focus more as a head coach. Um, but at the same time, that we're still going to operate very similarly to how we did last year. And again, Jason's not just abandoning the offense. He's going to be a huge part of it. But um, Carson is is a guy that has a great resume and is ready for this opportunity. Will you hear a different voice in your ear now? I will, actually, yeah. So um, last year... Carson was was calling the plays the last game of the season. I didn't play against Toronto, but during the week I practiced all week, and he was on the headset. So it does uh, it does throw you for a little bit of loop the first time when you're used to hearing one voice the entire season. All of a sudden, a different voice pops on there, um, you know. But uh, Carson's very thorough. He's a guy that um, you know I've I've rarely seen a, you know a positional coach um, spend that much time studying and making sure that he knows every single little detail of an offense. Um, so this is. You know, there's going to be more responsibility for Carson, but it's it's really not going to be any change for him. He he was always prepared. He could have picked up and, and taken a play calling over at any time last year, and he would have been ready for it. Uh, there are not a lot of changes on offense this year for the team, but there are a couple of key guys. Obviously, DeAnthony Batiste not coming back. Uh, Darrell Walker, obviously uh, a big loss. Nate Kuhorn retiring. Uh, but for the most part, the pieces of the puzzle are back. Uh, Talk about that and maybe going into year two with the same system and, and how much success you guys could have. Yeah, it's it's something to be really excited about. You know, I know that I sure am. I know the rest of our guys are. Um, you know, I think that anybody that watched what we were able to do offensively last year and knowing that that was our first year running that system um, and we have the continuity, uh, you know, we have big goals and, and big expectations uh, as a team and certainly as an offense for this year. Um, there are, as you said, some some pieces that we have to replace. Uh, but that how, that's how it is in football every year. I think you're lucky if you have the minimal amount of change that we have offensively. Uh, usually it's a lot more than that. So, um, you know, that combined with the fact that this is a second year running this system, as I said earlier, uh, you know, we're not going to be spending nearly as much time during training camp trying to, you know, work out the kinks. Um, you know, I do think that we're going to be able to really open up our offense even more than we were able to last year. And it's going to be a great opportunity for certain guys. Um, you know, I, I think we've always taken pride here in uh, – making sure guys are prepared for when their moment arrives. Um, you know, we, we do well in practice to get everybody reps and making sure that uh, as veterans we let the young guys know uh, when when you get your chance on the stage, you better take advantage of it because you may only get one shot. And guys understand that, so you know, that's how we most of us got our chance. I got my first chance to start because of an injury and an opening, um, you know, and so there's guys that are going to get that chance to step up, but there's going to be some very good battles during training camp, and it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, and I guess the classic example is Darrell Walker two years ago, Brandon Zilstra last year, and guys who, as you said, were absolutely ready to step in when they got the chance. No question. And, you know, I think that's, you know, a great tribute to our, our coaching staff and, and also our veteran players because, you know, we don't even really – have to talk about it. Our, our veteran guys lead by example, and they they come to work every single day at practice, and and they play it like it's a game. You know, we're very up tempo at practice. Nobody's taking days off, and I think the young guys realize that I'm either having to follow that example, or I'm going to be out of here real quick. And um, you know, to to the credit of guys like Brandon and Durrell, when their chance came, they took advantage of it. and They didn't look back, and uh, you know that's what we expect. That's our expectation. So um, you know, we do have some pieces that 
that left. Um, again, they're minimal, and uh, so you know they're going to have to come in and, and earn that opportunity to be the next guy to step in. But they have some pretty good roadmap uh, examples to look at. Will anything be different for you? Are you changing anything you do in the off season? Are you changing your approach? Are you changing goals or strategies going into a new year? I mean, I changed a lot of diapers, so that was the biggest change. Um, but you know, every year I think my mentality doesn't ever change. It's always to to put in a you know every day during the off season to do uh, above and beyond what I think is necessary to be prepared to win a, a championship during the season. Um, but as you get older, you learn a lot more, um, you know, and, and you realize looking back on the past season, the things that you improved on um, and the things that help your team even more so, and, and maybe some of the things that you were deficient in. And, um, you know, just, you know, you look at your career and go, okay, it's more important for me and for my team for me to stay healthy and be out on the field. And that's something I try to concentrate on a little bit last year uh, was to, to play not necessarily safer, but maybe a little bit smarter. Um, and I think that paid off big time. You know, I, I started every game other than the last game of the regular season, which was basically a healthy scratch. That was the first time I'd done that in a couple of years. Um, you know, and, and because of that, because of how I was playing, I think that's why the completion percentage went up. That's why the total offense went up because, you know, when you distribute the ball, uh, even if it's just taking a check down rather than taking off and running and taking a hit, you know, you get the ball to a guy like John White at three yards, you're going to generally get at least 10 out of it. So, um, you know, there's just things like that you try to get better at every single year. Was, is that a hard switch for you to flip? Because that's not your nature to, yeah. I don't want to say take the easy way out, right. but take the different way out. Right. You're, you're a guy who tucks the ball and, and goes. Yeah, it is. It's hard. And it's not something I think when, when game day hits that I ever consciously think about. And that's why it's so important during practice uh, that I have the coaching staff that I do that just continues to harp on me about getting through your progression, getting, being good about getting down to your checkdowns and things like that. Um, and the time that we spend off the field in the film room and studying and going over, uh, you know, the progressions and going over the install, you know, I spend so much time with that coaching staff that, um, you know, it becomes kind of second nature. When you practice it, you're going to play that way. And so we, we always try to make that an emphasis at practices, getting down to your checkdowns and things like that. Um, you know, and it's still, again, is a work in progress. And they're, the first thing Jason told me when he was signed on as the head coach was he was like, I'm not going to take your playmaking ability away from you. That's one of the attributes that makes you a great football player. So I don't think we're ever going to see that go away. I don't, I don't want to. I think that's what helps our team the most. Um, but there's a time and a place to do that. And I think that's, again, something that I know, but I'm continuing to learn and be better at. And, and I think that's just going to continue to be a progression throughout the rest of my career. Have you talked much with Brock Sunderland yet? I have actually. Um, you know, I, I spoke with him before I came up here to Edmonton on the phone. Had a great conversation with him, um, just talking a lot of football and and just a little bit about life in general. Um, you know, him being a guy from Montana, and I played my high school ball my senior year in, in Montana, and my folks still live there. So we, you know, we had a lot of of things that we could discuss outside of football. But one thing that, you know, I, I came away with uh, with the impression was that he knows football and and he's got one goal and that's to win, win a championship, and he. He's not concerned about coming in and, and blowing things up and saying, oh, I want this. You know, some guys have a lot of pride and say, well, I'm going to make changes just for the sake of change. And that's not necessarily a good thing, especially when you have a team um, that is, is built how we are right now and in a good position to be successful. Um, you know, but he also understands there's some things that need to get better and little tweaks that are going to be need to be made. Um, you know, and he's already studied all of that stuff. So when I got into town, I also met with him again, just talked to uh, saw him out on the field and we talked for a while. 
And, um, you know, I'm excited because just based on the short amount of time that he's had the job title, um, he's already put in a ton of work and I think has a good grasp for where our team's at, uh, where we want to go and what what we need to do in order to get there. And I imagine you were as shocked as everybody else when the change was made. Yeah, I mean, you know, anytime something like that happens, um, more often than not, it's because your program has really been struggling and you haven't had success, and it, and it generally doesn't come as a surprise. Um, you know, we've obviously had success on the field uh, the last number of years, and so, um, you know, when things like that happen, again, that as a player, uh, your job is to go out and play football and be ready to win football games, and, and there's decisions that are made for other reasons that you're not privy to, you're not aware of, and, and you're not the one that's making those decisions. So uh, you just have to be able to, to trust and, and believe that uh, things are going to work out as long as you, you do your job. So, you know, I've, I've always I told people about this with Chris Jones and his staff was that uh, I had a great time playing with them. Um, you know, we won a championship together, and I'll always uh, be grateful for that. And, and the same thing with Ed. I'll be grateful forever that he gave me my first opportunity to be a starter. Uh, I had a great relationship with him. I'm glad that we got to win a championship championship together and Ed would be the first person to tell you that uh, in football there's always going to be change and and the only constant is is that you got to show up and win no matter what the scenario is so uh, that's what we're here to do um, and again based on the conversations that I've had with Brock um, I'm excited to get an opportunity to work with him the old saying is control what you can control right? yeah there's no doubt I mean that's just how it is it's just like on the field in football things are going to happen that that you can't really control um, you know and you got to be able to to you know, adjust on the fly. And, and so, you know, the timing of the change was obviously a little bit difficult just based on how close it was to the draft and things like that. But I think the staff that was here uh, did a great job of getting on the same page with Brock. And, um, you know, it, they they figured out a way to make it work on such short notice. And, again, it's going to be something that you're going to see continue. Uh, they're going to learn and get better and better and, and work together really well. Uh, but ultimately our job is to come out on this football field and score more points than the other team. And, and it doesn't really matter who you're doing that with. You figure out a way to make it work. But again, based on the conversations I've had and, and how I've seen Jason and Brock work together, um, you know, I, I think that we're going to be set up quite nicely. Great stuff. Mike, welcome back. Good to see you, and uh, good luck as you get the field this weekend. Yeah, thanks a lot, Morgan. I appreciate it. Great stuff. Always love hearing from Mike Riley, quarterback for your Edmonton Eskimos. Don't forget medicals tomorrow, training camp Sunday. We'll have a special show from camp noon to 1 p.m. right here on 630 Ched. Eskimos news today. You can get the full details on 630Ched.com, but they have signed defensive back Forrest Hightower. He was with New Orleans in the uh, NFL. Didn't work out there spent the last two seasons really good seasons with the Ottawa Red Blacks. Big addition to the Eskimos secondary. We'll update the Memorial Cup when we get back. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. So here's the situation in the Memorial Cup semifinal. It's 5-3, Erie leading St. John. A minute 35 to go. St. John has pulled their goaltender. An Erie victory puts them into the final against Windsor. That'll be on Sunday. Of course, that is uh, being played in Windsor. The Blue Jays looking good tonight. Up 7-3 in the seventh. Donaldson back in the lineup. He's 1-4. for four. Tulowitzki back in the lineup. He's 0-1 with two walks. Devin Travis with a grand slam in that game. Justin Smoke and uh, Morales has a, a each of homered as well. Kendris Morales. So the Jays uh, trying to get to up to four games under 500 if they win that one. Don't forget... Noon to 
one on Sunday. Morley and Dave will have a special show from Eskimos training camp. So, Kellen, earlier we were talking with Curtis Stock, mm-hmm. who told us about his opportunities to meet Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicholas on separate occasions. So, for fun, we said, text 63630, which sports figure, past or present, living or deceased, would you most like to meet? Somebody wrote in Mike Keenan. Jerome Aginla, another mention. How about this from Gabriel? Mm. A toss-up between Honus Wagner or Sean Avery. That's quite the swing. Holy smokes. Well, I guess they had one thing in common. They like to, you know, swing. One was a good baseball player and the other one was a good puncher, right? So Brian says Bill Belichick. That'd be interesting. That'd be good. I'm yep. sure he's actually quite interesting. Well, I'm sh- I'm I mean it's just he comes across as so acerbic. Yeah, the I'm question sure would be. If you just sat down and chatted to him, yeah, the question be would be: Does he wear the hoodie at the dinner or not? And what do you do if you <laughs> wear a hoodie? No, like, I don't think he wears the hoodie all the time. Well, it's just does he have a formal hoodie? Dude, he, pre- <laughs> yeah, he, has a, he has a tuxedo. He has a tuxedo. A, you hoodie? know the T-shirts that look like a tuxedo. Yeah, yeah. He has a hoodie that looks like a tuxedo. Uh, Kevin from Stony Plain says, could you explain what happened again with the Eskimos and their management? Well, yes, they fired Ed Hervey and they hired Brock Sunderland. Uh, Huge difference in uh, philosophy between Len Rhodes and uh, Ed Hervey to boil it down. And uh, Len decided to make a change. And then uh, Brock Sunderland on board. I think the team's going to be good. I think the secondary is a concern. Maybe this uh, addition of Forest Hightower today is going to help. Also, Chris Getzlaff back with the green and gold. Last season had 41 receptions, 455 yards, couple of touchdowns. So uh, I, don't, I don't think he's going to be guaranteed a spot on the roster, but a little bit of Canadian depth for the Eskimos. So, yeah, they're getting started tomorrow. That's going to be fun. All right. We have the Stanley Cup final starting up on Monday. All the games will be right here on 630, Chad. Oh, they all start at 6 o'clock. So Predator, uh, Predators and Penguins will go on uh, Monday and Wednesday of next week, so no inside sports on those days. And uh, one week from tonight, Dave Campbell's going to be filling in. Do you know what's happening one week from tonight, Kellen Kennedy? Are you going for a run someplace? No. Oh. I'm going to see Def Leppard. Oh, there you go. With Tesla and Poison <laughs> open. I've never seen Poison live. Ah, uh, there you go. They're going to pick up that guitar and to talk to me. Yeah. Oh, you, you, you don't know what that lyric is from, eh? Uh, no, I was never it's big into that genre of hair metal, unfortunately. But All right. I found it too glitzy and glammy for my liking. I'm more of a Dawkins, Accept, ACDC type guy. So Poison's going to be fun. Mm. It's going to be good. And, and it'll be my first time going to Roger's Place as a customer. Hey, there you go. I've only been there as a member of the media. So we expect a full review sometime the week after of the concert experience. Bobby Orr, Jeremy from Glendon says, I would love to meet my childhood idol, Tommy Salo. How about that? There we go. we got some interesting votes there. Kellen, thanks for your hard work this week, buddy. Ooh, it was I know it was week. hard for me working two days this <laughs> week. Like, I'm exhausted. Hey, next week, Cup Final. Game start on Monday right here. 6.30, Chad. Don't miss a second of it. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell. You heard from Mike Riley, Curtis Stock, Rob Brown. Thanks to everybody who texted in as well. Eerie. Getting the victory, they will play Windsor for the Memorial Cup, an all-Ontario matchup on Sunday. My name is Reed Wilkins. Hope you have a great weekend. Maybe I'll see you around town. Take care.
630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.